Bitspurters, what's going on? We're back for another episode of DFS Preview for this week's PGA Tour event out at Japan. Out in Japan at the Zozo Championship. It's going to be a good one. How is my man doing, Ron? Sorry for the delay. We had some technical issues before we jumped in, but we are back and ready and ready to go. So what's cooking on your side of things, my man? Yeah, doing well. Uh, Shriners was a great week. Um, betting, I gained about 43 units. I know both of us had uh, Tom Kim outrights. Um, DFS went pretty well, uh, pretty good as well. Um, I usually don't do this, but I went 100% Patrick Hanley and Mito Pereira. Um, I just thought Mito was way too cheap last week. Um, so, yeah, and just going back to Tom Kim, you know, it was a perfect course fit. I know we said that last week, but just thinking about it, as talented as he is, I mean, it actually might just be Tom Kim is a superstar and he can dominate on any type of course. So it's going to be real interesting to see um, if any of the travel and the constant play catches up with him this week at all. So how, how about you? How are you doing? Good. I'm a little under the weather. This is a bit of a, a mini flu game for me, but we're going to keep getting through it. But I just hit the Tom Kim outright. I missed every single placement bet I made. I pushed on an, on a matchup. So I wasn't nearly in the realm that you were of getting 41 units together, which is a monster week. That is a, an incredible return run. So congratulations on that. That's epic. You hit an outright and a first round leader, two different people. Talk about just absolutely waxing the week. So that was fantastic. Congratulations on that. I hit the Tom Kim outright, but doesn't really feel like much because I was part of the millions that did. So we robbed the bookies this week, but it was awesome. I had an average, I had a very, a very bad week in DFS. I had a lot of guys make the cut, and then Grillo just decided to hang around in 77th place all weekend. I don't know. <laughs> We're going back to the well again. We'll go back there. So Anyway, he's in the field. We'll, go, we'll get to him here in a little bit. We're playing out in Japan. You want to give us your, your course breakdown and your kind of um, your take on how the week's going to go? Yeah, so it's the Accordia Golf Narashino Country Club. Um, it is a weaker field than normal for this event. Um, so, of course, this is a no-cut. Um, we've got 78 players, um, and you have kind of this bottom tier of Japanese players who get into this field every year. So, I mean, when you're looking at it now, now we, we'll talk about them more later. Um, we have to keep in mind, they do have a lot of familiarity with this course. So that could be an advantage. Um, also considering there's 26 PGA Tour players in this event for the very first time. We've never seen this course. And again, being overseas, there's no strokes gain data here. So we're kind of working on traditional stats, um, but it's a par 70 course. are very interesting because they're either short they're under 425 yards or they're very long over 486 yards uh there's no medium length par fours on this golf course so you're gonna have to use every club in the bag um it's not an easy course uh the two years it's been played here scoring has been exactly even par um it's pretty much positional golf off the tee uh, there are six dog legs. You have tree, not just tree line fairways, but the fairies are packed with trees. And so um, you want to find fairways, but at the same time, you're trying to also be on the correct side of the fairway. Even if you're in the rough, uh, the rough is zoysia grass and it's only two inches. And the golfers talk about how it's really not that penal. 
So your best bet off the tee is just to try to get the best angle um, to attack these greens that are a little bit smaller than average. Um, so I'm for me, I'm completely staying away from any erratic drivers off the tee. Um, you're not going to be able to play through these trees. You're going to have to pitch it out. Um, on the three par fives and the five long par fours, you really can't take less than driver. I mean, you're going to have to have some length. Um, so overall, just accuracy off the tee will be tested here. Um, elite ball strikers is who I'm looking for. Uh, the two winners here, Tiger and Hideki, obviously they're two of the best iron players ever. Um, also interesting last year's leaderboard, you had a lot of good scramblers who were finished pretty high, you know, Mackenzie Hughes, Matt Wallace, Tommy Fleetwood. Um, so if you are missing greens and it's pretty average greens and regulation, um, you will have to scramble. Um, putting is kind of the easy part here. You have really pure bent grass greens. Uh, the Japanese take a lot of pride in, in, in kind of their greens being the best kept anywhere. Um, so yeah, definitely not a birdie fest. And lastly, um, the weather conditions look like it's going to play even tougher. The courses might play even longer. Um, we have a lot of rain coming on Thursday, a lot of wind. Um, it looks better from there, but uh, the course will be very soft for sure. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because it's going to decrease the rollout that you get, but it's also going to make your approach shots a little more receptive with those long irons. So it'll be interesting to see if it actually makes it easier, a little bit more difficult, but I don't think it'll make that big of a deal unless it's like monsooning on the guys while they're playing, which would obviously make it way more tricky. And then we've got a 78-person 78, 78 field with a no-cut, Ron. So just from my side of things, when it comes to a no-cut situation, I'm looking to, you can, especially with 78 people and a no-cut, you're going to have to really pick your pick your poison here this week because you've got a smaller field. Your player pool is going to have to be a bit smaller, a little more tight. And then you've also got to figure out what kind of player are we really looking for here because by the end of the week, everyone's going to get in four rounds unless they WD. And they could land up finishing in the same finishing position, but with guys like Sepp Straker, we landed up having the most points out of everyone two weeks ago, even though he never won the event. So we're kind of looking for guys that can probably make a lot more birdies than normal while still avoiding bogeys and things like, I know that's the perfect, <laughs> the perfect situation, but I think, you know, there's a certain type of golfer that's got immense upside that, typically would maybe miss a cut because you had a bad Friday or a Thursday who would be able to now bounce back with a massive like 62 or 63 over the weekend because he just gets that second and third crack at it. So what is your theory? I kind of fumbled through that a little bit there, but what is your, what is your take on a no cut event in the DFS world? Yeah. So there's definitely going to be more volatility. Um, I think you can take more chances trying to load up on the upper tier players yeah. Because, again, everybody's guaranteed four rounds. So if you look at the top of the board, so Shoffley and Morikawa, they might have one average to bad round, but their three good to great rounds and their potential to win, I think, is going to outweigh some of the more middling type players in this field. So um, like you said, I think it's always better to be more aggressive and uh, you definitely need to tighten up your player pool in these, you know, no cut small field events. So that's kind of how I'm going to be looking at it. Uh, you know, whether you call it stars and scrubs, um, I think obviously the top of the board is really hard to kind of parse those players out and cancel them um, from, from your player pool. But um, yeah, that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah. And looking at the top of this, 
the slate. We've got Xander, Hideki, Colin, and Sungjae sitting inside the in the 10K range there. And it's becoming a problem for me. I have got no faith in my ability to, to sift through the top guys. I'm just struggling to, to figure out who's going to be the... Because all four of them, to me, seem like they could win this event. All four of them seem like they're going to be inside the top 20 at least. It's just figuring out who the heck are we actually going to roll with and why are we going to roll with them. If I were to anticipate ownership from the top of the four here, I think Hideki is going to be the least owned when he may even have one of the best course histories out of the four. Is he playing as good as everyone else coming into this event? That remains to be seen. I don't necessarily know he's playing that well. But looking at how he played at the Ryder Cup, I felt like he he really struck the ball really well there again and then goes back to a course like this where he can lean on that again. So he's probably going to be one of my my leverage plays at the top. I might dabble in with a bit of Sungjae as well. I just feel like his consistency out of all four of them is the most impressive. He's like, this guy has put together an absolute freakishly good run lately. So Sungjae is just going to be out there just killing it. So he's definitely might going to be paired up with a decky and a few of my lineups. Talk to me about who and what and how you're going to approach the top of the board, Jaron. Yeah, so it pains me to say it, but um, I'm going to be fading, not completely fading, but Xander, um, you know, it, being the most expensive, you know, he doesn't have the best course history here. You know, he finished 28th last year, 10th the year before. Um, of course, he's great in these no-cut events. He always has been. Uh, I probably will include him in, in some of my lineups when I'm playing him with my main core, but overall, um, I just think when you go down to these three players, and, and even if you want to include, I mean, we'll get into Tom Cam, but just going down the list here, like it's really hard. And so that's the reason, um, kind of a semi-fade on Xander. I think Hideki, you know, he hasn't gained off the tee since the U.S. Open, which is a little concerning at a course like this. But how can you not play him here? Like this is his fifth major almost. Yeah. Um, not only has he finished first and second here, but of course the Olympics in Tokyo – uh, on a different course, he finished fourth. So, you know, the pressure of playing at home doesn't bother him at all. Yeah. Uh, and so he's definitely uh, in my pool here. I really like Morikawa. Like if we're talking elite iron players, um, you know, putting woes aside, his ball striking is elite. And we've seen poor putters on top of the leaderboard here before. Of course, you know, Hideki's not the greatest putter in the world. We've seen the Keegan Bradleys of the world finish high here. Um, so I do like Colin and Sungjae. Again, we talk about course fit, like accurate off the tee, hitting greens. You know, he's gained 8.2 strokes on approach his last two events. Of course, making putts when he needs to. Uh, his form is just so perfect right now. You know, three runner-ups in his last six. And in, in those six, he's finished in the top 15. So uh, you just you just have to play Sunday. And uh, yeah. so, it's, it's, so, yeah. yep. Until it ends. you got to run that well until it's dry. You know, I don't. I never played him last week as well. I played Max, duh, and Sungjae just made that eagle and just climbed up the leaderboard. So he's always just in the mix. And until he isn't, I think you have to play him. And this is one of those weeks where we talk about this. It kind of goes back and forth where there's so many good options up top where I think you can spread it out a little bit more up here. But then on the bottom end, you're going to have to pick some guys in the – six seven k range that you're going to play a lot more than the field and so that's kind of how I, I will get different cool yeah 
I've got some guys I've eyed out down at the bottom too, which we can definitely lean on to make ourselves a little contrarian. And then, yeah, I think you can easily include Tom Kim, Victor Hovland, and Cameron Young. If they were all priced somewhere in the 10K range there, you know, I I wouldn't disagree. Um, I know it's a, a, a little bit of a weaker field this week, so that makes sense that they are in the 9K. Someone has to be in that range anyway. So, yeah, Tom Kim, Victor Hovland, Cameron Young, Tommy Fleetwood, Terrell Hatton, Corey Connors, all in the 9K range. And, man, you know, if if you don't really – out of Sungjae, outside of Sungjae, I could totally skip all three of those guys at the top and just go to this range right here because it is it is impressive. It's got elite players, which I think are all due for some wins. You know, Corey Connors seems like he's one of those perfect ball-striking machines for this golf course i know he's you know the Ryder cup bad taste in your mouth still there but or the president's cup but he's an interesting character i know Terrell hatton's a big um a big golf course kind of a player he likes to hit those long irons in and and does really well on the tougher tracks i'm gonna let you speak about tommy fleetwood i don't really have a take on him but cameron young massive driver of the golf ball love to see him on this golf course and he's also one of he's pretty much the poster child of what I was saying about the the no cut stuff where he can have that one bad round that absolutely ruins him, but he'll have three more to make it all up. And we know what he can do in a single round of golf when he's on fire. So he's exciting. Victor man from 175 and out. He's like one of the, he's the best in the field from 175 to 225 for me, which I think I'm going to wait. I've got 10% of that in my, in my model this week, just that 50 yard proximity bucket there from 175 to 225. Victor's good. He's really good. And, and he's not playing in the U.S. now. He's out in Japan. We've seen what he can do outside of the continental U.S. I think he's going to probably be a little less owned compared to everyone, especially sitting under Tom Kim, who, I mean, has him and Sungjae are like pretty much you have to keep them in your lineups, right? Like there's no way you can get around that. So what's the 9K doing for you, Ron? Yeah, and then even if you want to look at Tom Kim at 9,700, like he's undervalued again. Like he could easily be the top player in this field as far as yeah. salary wise, you know. And again, like you said, why can't he win here? You know, he doesn't need to bomb it here. Uh, he's gained at least 3.5 strokes on approach in eight of his last nine events, which is just staggering to me. Um, so he's on an amazing stretch. He's a must play. For me, um, I'm, I'm fading Victor Hovland. Um, and again, you have to get real picky here. So he hasn't played since the Tour Championship. He's kind of struggled throughout the playoffs. Yes, his ownership's going to be lower. So if you, again, are confident that he's just going to come in here and, and ready to play in his form, not even kind of looking at that, you know, he is an ownership leverage play for sure. Cameron Young is another player I am not playing, and he's a very scary fade to me. Um, yeah. You know, he's lost on approach his last two. He is kind of recently struggling with the putter as well. I think the distance angle is a little overblown here uh, just because of the, how the course plays in the setup. And yes, the weather is going to maybe make distance a little more important, but at the same time, there's six dog legs and the trees are so thick that you cannot cut across these dog legs off the tee. So I think for a player like Cameron Young, that, that mitigates a little bit of the advantage he has with his distance off the tee. And another thing, I, I think distance matters more with your long irons this week than it does off the tee. So if you look at that 175 to 200 range, for example, um, Cameron Young is 28th in this field. So um, again, being real picky here, but Hovland and Young I'm out on. 
Tommy Fleetwood. So one of the narratives, one of the angles I'm really attacking this week is kind of these European DP World Tour players who have a lot of international experience. And I think these next two guys, Fleetwood and Hatton, they both bring that to the table. Yeah. So Fleetwood, if you if you go back over the last nine months, he's gaining the second most strokes in this field just behind Xander. So he's really stepped up his game from last year. Um, and when I say last year, I'm talking calendar year. I don't, I don't, I can't keep track with the PGA season, the wraparound. So I just go calendar year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's finished seventh and 22nd here. And again, he plays his best golf seemingly outside of the United States. So again, that narrative, he's never won in the U S so here we are, we're in Japan. Um, and then if you want to talk Terrell Haddon, you know, another thing I'm looking at closely here is, performance and no cut events and Terrell Haddon is the second best player in this field. He thrives in these types of events. Um, if you look at his recent form, um, he's played a couple of European events where he finished seventh at the Alfred Dunhill links. And then he was eighth at the Italian open. So kind of bring some good form in here. Um, and so for me, it's, it's, it's Tom Kim, it's Tommy Fleetwood and it's Terrell Haddon in this range. The triple T's. I love it. Yeah. I, I agree. I'm going to go with if I have to give some actual because I just pretty much rattled off everyone in this range. So I do like Corey Connors from a, a pure ball striking standpoint. You know, I think maybe he just got a little overwhelmed in the President's Cup and whatever. I think he really suits this golf course, particularly with those long approach shots. And then I'm a big fan of Terrell, too. So I'll be on Terrell and Tom for sure with some Corey in the mix. And then we get into the 8K range and it's going to start dropping off quite quickly once we get through this range here because we got we got Keegan, Siwoo, Sahith Gala, Tom Hoagie, Cam Davis, Maverick McNeely. And then at the bottom, we got Mito, Scotty Stalling, Sebastian Muno, Seabears, and Davis Riley. So they're all reasonably recognizable names. And I just want to say quickly that I'm super excited to handicap this event with actual players that have a multitude of rounds of stats. Because the last few weeks dealing with all these Corn Ferry Tour guys has been a severe headache, and I'm glad Augusta Nunes is not in the field because I would have been playing him again for the fourth straight time, just getting extremely disappointed. So I'll get that bitchy tangent out the way, and we dive back into the AK Ranger because Keegan Bradley is going to be very, very popular, I believe, and rightfully so. I mean, the guy's coming in here with some decent good form after coming back from a little break, and he's played really well. He's got one of the best course histories out of the bunch. And then... um We've got Siwoo, whose putter is just absolutely completely changed since going to the broomstick. So that's going to be interesting. And I wonder how many people are going to be on him this week. And then Sahith Tegala is another guy that I really think is going to be interesting from that one bad round and then bounce back in all three of them outside of that bad round kind of thing. He's extremely appealing to me in a no-cut event because I've never really got him right because he can have that one bad Thursday, one bad Friday and miss the cut. So I like him here a lot. Who are you eyeing out, Ron? Tell me. It's, I, I don't know why I'm just rattling off guys, but you're going to have to dissect these guys for me. I'm just having a tough time passing through everything today. Yeah, so Keegan Bradley, um, obviously he has the good finishes here, 7th and 13th. And the thing that is going to keep me on him is he is capable of a spike putting week. And so when we look at the numbers now, just going back over the last few months, you know, he, he gained 6.1 strokes on the greens at the Sanderson, his last event. He gained 3.4 at the Memorial. He gained 9.8 strokes putting at the Wells Fargo earlier this year. So, I mean, in this type of event where we're guaranteed four rounds from Keegan Bradley, you know, if he can just spike in a couple of those rounds with his ball striking, 
uh, his course history. Uh, he's just a good fit for this course with the trees and everything. Um, and yeah, Siwoo, I'm all in on Siwoo. And, and like you said, the broomstick has kind of done it for me. And, and I don't think it's coincidence at all. Um, you know, when he, when he started to use it, that very first event uh, was an Asian tour event. He finished fifth, of course, very weak field, but still a good result. Um, he was the leading point scorer for the international team. And we all saw what he did last week. Um, he gained 2.3 strokes putting last week. So for me, um, you know, I think Siwoo, if he's turned that corner, um, he's so talented. He's so streaky. Perfect for a no-cut event. Um, and then these next, the next two, I'm kind of dropping down a little bit here to Tom Hoagie, Cameron Davis. Um, I think I think Hoagie, just with his irons, um, when you look at gaining seven strokes on approach last week, um, he was really accurate off the tee as well. Um, putting, he's gained putting five of his last six events. So, you know, he gets on these rolls here where he's either, you know, we talked about that, you know, a few times ago where, you know, he missed, you know, six cuts in a row. And then lately he's got four top 12 finishes in the last couple months here. So um, I think that's a great price, 8,600 for Hoagie. And then I think Cam Davis is mispriced here. You know, he's got five top 20s in his last seven. Um, he has the length for the longer holes when he needs it. But overall, this is a shorter course. It's only, you know, 7,000 yards. And again, he does tend to play his best golf on these shorter types of courses. Um, he's top 20 approach, and he's an excellent bent grass putter. But the biggest reason that I love Cam Davis is he leads the entire field in opportunities from 15 feet and closer. So, you know, I think I think people who look at birdie or better percentage, you know, that's a little fluky to me. But when you get into the opportunities gained, yeah. you know, are you putting yourself in position? And so that's what I love about Cam Davis, especially – four guaranteed rounds is just yeah. his ability to put himself in position on the greens. So that's, didn't he just have a, he had a really poor showing at the Shriners. So hopefully that's weighing heavily on the, on the consciences of those that played him and we can get him a little less owned than, than we could have expected if he had a good, good showing. So, cause he also made the cut and then just kind of fizzled out. You know, I think I had just, you know, going back to that, it was just a week of those. So yeah. I've I've I love Cam Davis here, particularly on the four the four round thing, the no cut, and then I've got two guys that I have in this range that are outrights for me, and they are Scott Stallings and Mito Pereira, and I think they are arguably the two best ball strikers in this in this range. You know, I know Cam Davis is in this one, but Scott Stallings' ball striking outside of the Tour Championship has been freaking amazing man he's just been doing phenomenal stuff lately just and he just seemed so in control of his ball pretty much the entire time he was playing at the sanderson farms and then when he finds himself in contention he seems like he fizzles out a little bit but still finished t13 so that's not bad at all 8200 bucks for scott stallings this guy's been rattling off like top 10s and top 15s in basically 75 percent of his starts that he's been over the last three months so what he's doing down in the $8,200 range, he he might be my absolute smash play this week because I, I really just feel like he's a lot safer than the majority of the people around him here. And he also offers that immense upside because he's, he's got a really well-rounded game. So Scott Stallings, $8,200. I mean, what are we doing with that price? And then Mito Pereira, who, who lapped the field in approach play last week. He, he led the field in ball striking off the TN approach and lost off the tee. So that just goes to show you how good of, of an iron week he had. 
And when it comes to that at this course, I think he's got the distance to overtake the the errant, you know, tee shots here and there to make up for it. But he's also, if he can stay out of the pressure cooking situations early in the week and just come from behind, I think that's where he needs to be. He needs to be like going into the weekend, sitting in the top 15, you know, and then kind of just spike towards the end of the week. He can't be in the mix. He has bad Sundays when he's leading. So I hope that's the way it plays out this week. We'll see. You know, he's hitting his irons really well. He should be at the top of the leaderboard most of the week. So we'll see what he gets up to there. Is there any guys? Seabez, not really appealing to me at this golf course. I know it's going to be a bit more tough, but I don't know. I just, I, there's, I like Scott and Mita. They've got way more upside than Bezzy at this thing. I think he's going to, they're going to make way more birdies than him. Yeah, that's, that's my take at the bottom of the board. You got anyone else or you just like the guys in the top there? Yeah, no. So with Mito, and uh, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I have noticed that about him. You know, he plays much better on Sundays when he is, you know, kind of trailing the leaders. And so, yeah, what I like about him, though, is is when you look at, obviously, the data here. So he's second in approach. He's first in good drives gained, which I think is a very key stat this week because good drives gained kind of measures your ability to get your second shot to the green in regulation, even if you're in the rough. So no matter where you are, you know, so he's a good player from the rough. He's second in opportunities from 15 feet and in, so he's putting himself in those positions. Another thing, you have five par threes on this course. He's the third best par three player in this field. And when we're looking at the longer ranges, uh, 200 yards and, and past that, um, he is in the top 10 for that as well. So lots of love about Mito. Um, the guy I'm going to love, though, I'm going to skip past Scott Stallings, and I'm going to go to Sebastian Munoz here. So he was fourth last year here. He is one of those guys who thrives like uh, Terrell Hatton in no-cut events. He's the fifth-best player in this field. And for some reason, he obviously hasn't finished in the top five or that high, but he's just very consistent. And, again, uh, just when you look at his overall game log, you know, he's making cut after cut. He had a really good President's Cup. Um, he is really excellent off the tee, and he has the ability, and kind of what we're looking for here, to get hot with the putter. So I just think, just looking at all those angles, I think Sebastian Munoz is a great play. Finally, for me, again, taking a little different viewpoint than you, um, I am seriously considering um, an outright on Christian Bezadenhut. Um, just the more I think about taking that international angle, you know, his his experience playing all over the world. You all talk about the tough conditions, the rain, um, the, the softness, I think. Yes, distance isn't his best asset, but, you know, you talked about that before. You know, he's he's trying to make gains, you know, in the distance category. Uh, I think his his ability on these greens to get hot, you know, his approach player, he's been one of the most improved players in that area in the world over the past year. Yeah. So I think he's kind of a sneaky play here. Um, and, again, I don't anticipate him to be highly owned at all. So mm -hmm. um, I, I do love him right at 8K. I might have to take back what I said. I can't. I can't betray my countrymen like that. You sold me, Ron. I don't know why I didn't want him in the first. It's a difficult. Uh, it's more difficult golf course. That's where he does his stuff, right? Like short game scrambling. I just don't know how many birdies he's going to be making over four days. You know, that's my only thing. But we'll see. I think, yeah, he's probably going to roll in under five percent. So, but are they going to avoid the bogeys, and is he going to avoid the tree line? And so, I think those things are two things he does bring to the table that can kind of, you know, if scoring is is challenging here, you know, I think, like you said, he he fits. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And then we get into the seven K range, which is it's. 
I've got so many outrights in this range as well, which just makes me wonder, like, I don't know what I was doing in the outright market. I just couldn't make up my mind at the top of the board. I can't figure out who's going to be the winner out of those four guys, five, six guys at the top. That's not named Tom Kim and 16 to one. So I just went with a bunch of bunch of randos in the middle, but all guys that have got really good recent form and can ball strike the crap out of it, like Seb Strucker, Matthew Neesmith, Emiliano Grillo. All three of those guys are exceptional when it comes to iron play. Off the tee, also very nice stuff. For the most part, have been playing really good golf lately, all three of them. I'm kind of just bucketing them all together. And just the reasons I chose all three of them was because of these exact same reasons. So the recent form, the approach play, awesome. And all three of them have been putting much better lately too. So I do have some feelers out, Ron. I've asked two different people now for to try and figure out when Grillo switched from uh, left-hand low to the claw grip. So we'll see if we can figure out when that was, just so we can have a little bit of a research project there. But those are three guys I'm definitely going to target in the top of this range. Um, I think Grillo's poor performance last week after making the cut and then just hacking it around the greens is probably going to keep some people off of him. He has been a popular play for an outright over the last while, so I think he's disappointed a lot of people in that respect. But his consistency, if you look at the last few weeks, has been fantastic. So I love that a lot. Matthew Neesmith's approach play has been second and first, I think, or second and third in the in the last two events he's played in. And Seb Straka has just lost in a playoff the last time he played. So he's sitting at $7,900. What's going on with that? You know, the smaller field, no cut. Seb can get really hot, make a bunch of birdies and eagles, and he's playing much better golf now. So those are three guys at the top of this range I'm definitely eyeing out. Anybody you got your eye on that's not those three? So I love I love Straka just because well, well you're kind of hoping and praying with Straka that he continues his recent form and doesn't revert back to his his pathetic form from you know months past. But um, yeah, Matthew Neesmith, you know I agree with you completely there. This is another again great ball striker playing well I, what i really like about him is you know i know he's had some mental issues and he's he's talked about how you know he's disappointed he didn't he didn't win last week but at the same time you know he's turning the page he's ready to attack this course and so i do like him um kind of my two guys that i'm going for um aaron rye again another guy who's got tons of experience playing across the world uh highly accurate off the tee um hitting greens you know we saw he you know what was it? Uh, spike for that nine under um, round on Saturday, I believe, um, at the Shriners. Yeah. Um, and again, he was just fifth at the Italian Open. Um, so I really like Aaron Rye here. Again, again another guy who plays well in these difficult conditions. Mm -hmm. um, Kurt Kitayama, you know, he's the one guy who really killed me last week. I had a whole bunch of him. Um, and so, you know, I missed the cut by one stroke. Uh, going right back to him this week. You know, I think this is another just great course for him. Um, and so I really love Kitayama at uh, 7,500. Cool. Yeah. I I second, particularly the Aaron Rye one. Um, I love, I think he's a good, difficult, tougher course player too. So I think that definitely he's kind of in that sea bears bucket there. And then if we're going on like absolute team no putt, sign me up for some Brendan Steele. At this course, driving, iron play, just give yourself a million birdie looks, make 10% of them like he's been doing and avoid the bogeys. And I think he's ball striking for a $7,400 price play in this field. I mean, that seems like a fantastic value there. Don't you think, Ron? 
Oh, yeah. And like you said, that might be enough because, again, this is not going to be a putting contest. So you don't have to make every putt. And so I think when you talk about him and a guy that I really love, Luke List. So, yeah. you know, when you get into the team, no putt, you know, he is the captain of that group. Yes. Um, but, you know, 7,300, you know, again, one of the best ball strikers in the world, you know, yeah. top 10 player in approach, good drives gained. You know, he checks all those boxes. He has the length. He has the distance um, with his irons. Um, I just think again, a guy who's won, a guy who won recently, I know in the past year on tour, um, 7,300, I know probably ownership will be low, uh, but I just really like this, this week for him. Yeah, I agree. And then in the same vein, I'm just going to say the exact same thing about Troy Merritt, who's also seemed to have lost his putter lately. He's typically a very good putter. So his ball striking recently has been also kind of just shy of Brendan Steele and Luke List. So you're going to get another few hundred bucks cheaper than them. And, and I like a Troy Merritt play here too, but not nearly as much as those two guys. If those, those two no putt guys, especially if you put them in the same lineup, oh baby, you know, you could, you could have yourself a real tilty some <laughs> Sunday or two, but at the same time, they could really make you happy. So that's what's going on there. Any guys you got in particular towards the bottom of the seven K run upper nines, I've got my eye on a Cameron Champ. I think this is the golf course to target him on. His approach proximities from 100 to 150, disastrously bad. Very, very, very bad. Give him anything more than like 170 in, and this guy's one of the best in the world from, from far away. So particularly on those shorter holes, I don't know... I know you mentioned the dog legs, but I feel like he's got the length kind of like Cameron Young to, to really get it close enough that he's avoiding a full wedge in there. He can, unless it's a dog leg, you know, then, then we've got some problems, but he's $6,800. And with all these par threes, with some of them being a bit longer, three par fives that have lengthy approach shots in, I like his chances here a lot more. It's not going to be like a wedge fest, which he's been, really struggling with lately so the longer the approach shots for him if it's wet i love his distance off the tee you know he's very accurate all things considered as well typically i know at the 40 net he was all over the place but yeah and then right underneath him hayden buckley also team no putt in the 6800 range guy can just ball strike it with the best of them especially off the tee so those two guys are are the two dudes i'm eyeing in this range over here in the top 6k range what's cooking for you yeah, another guy I'm going to be really high on is Matt Wallace. Um, okay. He is someone who finished fourth here last year. And again, going back to that, you know, international experience that he brings, um, you know, I know his approach game is not where it should be. Um, it's He's kind of struggling with that area. Um, he's just been so good with his short game. He's kind of making up for it there. Um, but I don't know. I just have a feeling about him this week. So he's going to be um, someone I have a lot of ownership in. I think Russell Knox is an interesting name here. You know, he hasn't performed super well at this course, but we're talking about wind and rain on Thursday. And I mean, who knows if they even play on Thursday or not? We'll see. Uh, but again, when conditions get kind of in that area, obviously Russell Knox, what's his strength? The strength is approach play with his irons. So he's an interesting name at 7K. Um, I like Adam Shank. You know, he's been playing some some pretty good golf recently. Um, he's popping in a lot of my things, you know, 12th on approach. You know, he's the third best bent grass putter in this field. Um, sixth in good drives gain. So I, I do like Adam Shank this week. Um, and I know we're going to get to, uh, I don't know if you have anything on, on some of the Japanese guys, but uh, my favorite, and he could be one of the only ones I play, is uh, at 6,600, Takumi Kanaya. 
Um, you know, he has some experience in, in playing in some of these no-cut events in the past. You know, he uh, finished seventh here last year. So, obviously, he's a guy who um, knows this course very well. And it's his home course. Uh, and so he's kind of one of my biggest guys that I'm going to uh, kind of plant a flag on uh, down here. Wasn't he the world number one amateur in the world and then recently turned pro? So, yeah, I think he's easily one of the top 6K Japanese dudes for sure. And I am I have him highlighted as well. I think he's going to be a great play. And then I have one or two more. i got Chad Ramey, who's going to be – if you're looking for an absolute salary saver at 6300 bucks, I know – to me – I just don't understand how golf works because one week Chad Ramey is shooting plus eight, missing the cut. The next week in two rounds, he's minus eight. Just a 16-shot difference over you know two events. So he's definitely got the upside. <laughs> what kind of person, which Chad Ramey are we getting? I mean, he's 6,300 bucks. We know what we're getting at that price. It's anything, which is totally fine. If you just want to punt a Chad Ramey out there with a bunch of guys on the top of the board, so go for it. You know, I don't, he's, he could be a hot fish for you. And then John Hur is another guy that we've seen can get really streaky with the approach play. We've seen him play well at like Mayakoba and in Mexico and things like that. And with these par threes, there's five of them. We can really expect his iron play to maybe bounce back. You know, he's also like an in international nuanced person. So I like a John Hur at 6,300 bucks as well. Just, just two punts down at the bottom of the board. I don't really have any of my corn fairy gems that break my heart all the time down here. So we're going to have to go with some some PGA Tour veterans if we want to do that. So that's what I've got going on. Do you have any any sleepers outside of Takanumi? Yeah, so, Ch so Ches Reevee, um, 6,500. And uh, he's known for, again, hitting fairways. He leads this field in fairways gained. And so, again, not a longer hitter. I don't think it's going to hurt him as much. Um, he's is a really good approach player as well. Of course, he would be on the team no putt as well. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah, so some of these guys, I just think, like, if you wanted to play Matsuyama, Morikawa, and M in the same lineup, three guys from the very top, you can mix and match with a Kanaya, with a Chesrivi, with a John Ha, even a Danny Lee, who his form yes. has been horrible. But you give Danny Lee four rounds, Danny Lee has one of the highest birdie or better percentages in this field. Now, he also has one of the highest bogey. Or worse percentages, okay. But you could, you know, mix and match some guys down here and really, you know, play three high high tier guys. So a lot of different ways you can attack this, and so uh, yeah, it leaves a lot of uh, a lot of strategy here as far as how you uh, design your yeah. lineups. I think an emphasis on roster construction is going to be key this week, you know, because there's only there's a limit to seventy eight guys, and about sixty of them are only worthwhile playing, really, you know. So. It's going to be really interesting to see how we go about it. And I, I'm looking forward to it. Remember, set your lineups on Wednesday. It starts at 11 o'clock at night. So Eastern or whatever, it's going to be, if you're waiting till Thursday morning, you're going to be very disappointed in your lineups. So make sure you get that figured out, guys. Don't it, actually, it actually starts at 7.50 Eastern time on Wednesday. So 7.50. As, as far as, um, let me make sure that's correct. Yes. Please, because I don't want to be giving out the wrong information yet either, but it definitely starts on Wednesday. So make sure it's 15 hours ahead, I think, of or 13. Yeah, so they tee off 8.50 a.m. Japanese time. And then okay. so at Eastern, that is 7.50 p.m. So 7.50 Eastern okay. on Wednesday. Yeah. So, yeah. So get that stuff in there ASAP. Make sure you got it going. It's 
going to be a quick turnaround. So, yeah. Cool. So let's split this slate, and I'm going to do something slightly different, Ron. I'm going to ask you for your favorite play and then your favorite pivot from each range. Just so we can just spice things up a little bit with our picky picky stuff here at the top. So let's let's slice it off at seventy nine hundred dollars or seventy eight hundred bucks. Let's slice it right there, and then give me your favorite play, your favorite pivot from the top and from the bottom slates. Yeah, so my favorite play is going to be Tommy Fleetwood, uh, ninety two hundred. I just think he's trending up, um, and so all the things I talked about earlier. Um, if I'm going to pivot, um, someone here. Um, and again, I don't know. I don't have the exact ownership. I don't think really that's as well known yet, but I think Sebastian Munoz is a guy who is going to be my pivot. I agree. I think that's a great pivot, especially at the bottom of that range there. I'm going to go with my favorite play being Scott Stallings. I just love his price tag. I love what he's been doing. I know he's going to give me a super low floor, super high floor. Sheesh. And then, you know, he's got that upside as well. His game's super well-rounded, like I said. My favorite pivot, it might be Hideki Matsuyama. I don't know if I can even get away with that one, but I feel like he, for someone that's got such a great record here, I don't think he's going to be very popular. If you look at Xander Collin and Sanjay up there, I think he's going to be the black wolf or the black sheep of the family. <laughs> so I'm going to take take a chance on Hideki, you know, as a pivot there. He's, he's obviously finished first and second at this golf course before. So what are we, you know, like, I don't know. Will you will you give me that as a pivot? You think that's a pivot? Yeah, that's that fine. I I have heard a lot of people kind of fading him this week just because yeah. of you know his recent performance, and of course the oh he's he can't win again. He just won here last year, so that's already been debunked though. So um, yeah, I'll give it to you. Okay, thank you, thank you. And then yeah, let's go down from under seven and a half, whatever seven nine. Pick your favorite play and your favorite pivot for this lower range. So my favorite play, I'm, I'm going to go Kitayama here. Um, I just think his ability to pop, um, you know, second at the Scottish Open. You know, he had a couple other high finishes this past year. Um, so I, I do like him. And I'm going to go Luke List. You know, I think, you know, he's a great leverage play. And, again, it, like you said, if he just hits 10% of those putts, you know, yeah. if, if he's putting himself in position or other players are not, you know, I think um, that's some good leverage you can have on the field there. Absolutely. I I love that. I love that from him. And then I'm going to go with, Lord help me, but I'm going to go with Emiliano Grilla. I can't, I can't not play him at 7,700 bucks. I mean, he's, his consistency has been ridiculous and he's one of the best ball strikers in the field, man. So not like top tier stuff, but I just love his game. I think he's going to bounce back. I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed in his performance from last week, myself included. So it's kind of tough to even go back to him. And then my kind of pivot is probably going to, I think, is Brendan Steele? You know, I don't know. He's, he's, we'll see what his ownership's like. But I really like between him and Luke List. I love those two team notepads, Ron. Those are going to be our boys this week, I think. And yep. man, they, they are like just looking at everyone around him from the last 24 rounds ball striking. These two guys have got like some deep, dark green, beautiful stuff, you know, in that ball striking of the last 24 rounds. So I love those two guys very, very much. And that's it. I think we got we got it pretty much covered. We found a few winners. We found a few good plays. We got the, the dollar subscription for a month for the rest of the year. Was a dollar for the rest of the year, right? Or yep. yeah. So calendar year. We yep. that at Bedspurts. We've got if you are not in that Discord and following Ron's 40 unit freaking suggestions per week 
I don't know what you're doing for a dollar. So go do that. That's exactly what you want to do. Got all the articles out there, all the search tools. Give us an update, Ron, on the current situation of how we are looking to improve the site there with the, the search functions and things. Yeah, it's still a work in progress um, with, mm -hmm. with NFL season going on. Obviously, yeah. that's king right now, um, as it yeah. usually is. But, um, yeah, we're catching up. We're getting that um, custom tool built here. And, yeah, like you said, um, you know, first round leader, all that stuff gets posted in our member Discord. Yeah. Um, so it's a great way to um, see, you know, myself and Ryan Noonan and uh, Andy um, see what we're playing there. And so, yeah, we've had a lot of, a lot of recent success and look to keep it going this week. Yeah. Hopefully we don't have to – do we have an overlapping first uh, uh, winner this week? Uh, I don't know. Grillo, Neesmith, um, Straka. Do you have Straka? I do not have Straka. Um, um, I got Luke List though. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got more. I took Morikawa, um, um, uh, Fleetwood. I got Fleetwood at thirty-five. So um, I can't remember. I had a couple other guys too. Okay, um, depending. So hopefully we got a better chance of actually one of us wearing the hundred dollar shirt next week. If you if you cash, I'll post it to you. I'm just kidding. I won't do that. That's nasty. Anyway, done with the chit chat. Thanks guys for tuning in. We'll catch you guys ne next week. Is the CJ Cup next so week? CJ Cup. Yep. Should have some superstars in, it, and we're going to look forward to to handicapping that one. But until next time, folks, enjoy your weekend. Don't forget to set your lineups early, and we'll catch you next week. Cheers.